This Course podcast, a podcast about becoming a mindful reader, writer, and researcher, a place to grow and change as a communicator and collaborator. Feel free to read the transcript of this podcast as you listen, move around, or go outside. Each episode will cover a key topic about developing your skills as an engineer of language and as a participant in a complex global discourse. Hello and welcome. I am Misty. Thank you for joining me. Now let's dive in. Welcome to episode two, Critical Thinking, Its Steps and Understanding the Rhetorical Situation to Improve Observation. Today we'll cover two topics, but before we get started, rest assured that notes for this audio are included in the course materials for this session. So, if you like, please take a walk, stretch, or move your body as you listen to this podcast. In today's episode, we'll cover two things. The first is that we'll discover a little bit more about rhetorical analysis and how it can be used as a process of critical thinking. And the next will be to understand the rhetorical situation and how to better use it to help us improve our ability to observe well. So here's a quick overview of rhetorical analysis and the rhetorical situation. So we need to think about the question, what does it really mean to think critically? And one of the things that we've been learning about is this process of rhetorical analysis. Rhetorical analysis can be defined as a process by which we can critically think and communicate about complex ideas. Essentially, we can think of it in terms of a four-step process. We start with observation, we move into description and analysis, and then we reach evaluation. One of the things that we can run into in our everyday life when we're just doing reactionary thinking is making a leap from observation to evaluation without doing the stuff in between. And oftentimes, our observation isn't a very deep one. So one of the things that we're trying to practice in this um, effort to become more mindful readers and writers is making ourselves better observers. So it helps us slow down our reactions to arrive at more thoughtful answers when we use rhetorical analysis. So by learning and really actively engaging in the steps of it, that includes observation, really fleshing out how to do that a little better, thinking about what makes us better descriptors of information and thinking about how we can become better at finding patterns in information and then reaching our evaluations or our judgments makes us more mindful thinkers. So as we are diving into becoming more mindful readers and mindful writers, one of the things that we're doing is really focusing on observation. That said, when we're doing that, it's helpful for us to consider this thing called the rhetorical situation. Sometimes when we're observing complicated things, it helps us to have a process to break it down. So one of the ways we can think about that is by looking into the rhetorical situation. All the rhetorical situation is is really the rhetorical context surrounding all texts and artifacts. When we use this term artifacts, this term in, in, in this course, that really is trying to describe information 
compositions, right? That could be a video, it could be a podcast, it could be a meme, right? We have information that comes out in all sorts of ways. So one of the things that we can do to become better observers is think about this rhetorical situation in that rhetorical context. Context is king, and if we remember that, we're going to have a better time of understanding complicated things in our our world, right? So understand not everything is going to just be face value. When we're observing texts in particular and becoming more mindful readers, we can think about this in terms of an acronym called GRAPES. So we can make educated guesses and observations about uh, a thing, an idea, text that we're looking at by digging through clues in the text or artifacts that tell us about its grapes. So let's break this down. What does grapes actually stand for? This is again an acronym to use to remember how we can break down context in uh, more complicated situations. So here we go. Context in rhetorical situation, uh, or the context that is the rhetorical situation, is including the items of the genre, the rhetor, the audience, the purpose, and exigence. Now I'm willing to bet some of these terms are familiar to you, but some we're going to break down a little bit more. So let's do the quick overview. The genre is really just a category of musical or literary composition characterized by a particular style form of content. Here's an example. So if we think in terms of a novel, right? A novel is usually, it's a fictional text. It has characters, it's got a general sort of arc to it. That genre is particularly different than say a textbook, right? And one of the ways we can tell it's different from the textbook is by the style of the writing, right? Sometimes you notice in textbooks, it's got subheadings and it's broken down in terms of processes and in terms of vocabulary. We wouldn't see something like that in a novel. Another good way to think about this is a different music genres, right? We have R&B versus country versus, I don't know, classical, right? All of those have different styles associated with them. So genre really helps us in writing uh, to think about it to help us know if something is fitting in with that genre or if it's kind of pushing at the boundaries of that genre. So for instance, in an academic setting, it's really important that we cite our sources, right? So if we don't cite our sources in say an academic essay or something like that, that's kind of pushing at the genre conventions or the boundaries of that genre. And that challenges at times the credibility of the writer, which is the writer or the composer of the information. We'll get to that one next. So that's really an important piece of this too. The writer is the writer or the communicator. Essentially, they are the maker of the artifact, right? They're the, the person behind it. Sometimes a writer is not just a single person. It could be an organization, right? So if you've ever seen a website, um, like a government website, that's not necessarily put together by just one person. That's um, an agency, right? It's a, it's a whole group of people kind of putting an item together for information. So a writer is the composer of an artifact. They carry perceptions of biases and different motivations, and we really need to think about those things to better understand context. This comes in to be something particularly important when we're trying to figure out what is good information and uh, really factual information and versus perhaps what it is not, right? So if we think in terms of 
thinking about that writer and thinking about their motivations, asking the question, why did they write this text? Was it for their own personal gain? Was it to propel maybe a particular idea or ideal that they have? Or was it strictly to just inform or entertain, right? So that helps us determine the context surrounding artifacts. And that helps us with uh, close reading and mindful reading, okay? The next piece of this is, of course, the audience. We have to think about who was this text or who was this artifact made for, right? Was it made for a general audience? Was it made for everybody to understand? If you've ever encountered a really complicated article, maybe, and you're like, I don't really understand this, maybe it's because that that is not who the audience is for. It's actually for maybe a particular discipline that has really specific knowledge in that area, right? So the audience are the consumers of an artifact. They also carry different perceptions and biases, and we need to think about that. And as we're becoming better writers and better readers, we can think about the choices that a writer made to try to reach that audience, right? If we think about that, then we can start to think about how we can reach our own audiences and how we can um, make choices that are mindful about our, our strategies in planning our writing, okay? This next one is really important. This is the purpose, right? We have to think about why was the artifact composed? What is the reason for it? So for instance, a textbook like you have for your courses, right? That is really there to teach, right? The purpose is to teach. Um, perhaps, again, let's go back to the novel. Maybe a novel is there to entertain. Maybe it's to get us to think about something in a light we didn't think about it. Maybe it's to create empathy between the perceived worldview of the main character and the audience, right? But sometimes we have information that has a purpose of trying to convince you of something, whether it's trying to convince you of something true, or if it's trying to convince you of maybe believing a certain way, um, those are different purposes. And as we analyze the purpose, we can start to help ourselves better understand the, um, the observation of an, of an artifact or of a text, right? Okay, so this next piece is, is probably the most complicated one, and you really won't get to this till later on, but it's about exigence. So this is one that folks sometimes struggle with, but exigence is essentially the issue or problem or situation that causes or prompts someone to write or speak or communicate, right? The term exigence comes from the Latin word for the, the word demand, right? Um, think of it kind of as the call to speak, right? When we have exigence, or let's go back to that textbook, the demand for a textbook is because complicated information that students may need needs to be packaged in a certain way. There needs to be some kind of artifact or some kind of text to help with that, right? So the exigence really for a textbook is that there's a lack of accessible information in that particular discipline, okay? Another one might be like this. We can explain it in terms of maybe a speech, right? So if you've ever noticed um, that sometimes the flag is put at half-mast, right? So when the flag is at half-mast, something happened prior to that, right? Exigence is the thing that happened prior to that, that we would respond to, right? By lowering the flag in, in a way to honor. Routinely, we uh, 
tragedy can be a, a way or a mechanism of exigence um, that, that calls for um, this sort of response. So as you're thinking of the rhetorical situation, keep in mind that when we're thinking about texts or artifacts, every text or artifact has a complex context around it. No information lives in a vacuum, right? It came from somewhere, it has a purpose for being there, and part of our job as mindful readers is to start to look for that context and to be aware that, hey, this, there might be more to it than we just see right in front of us, right? So mindful observation means that we are considering, in addition to taking time to mindfully read that subject, it also means interrogating that text and asking it questions or asking questions of it. Like, what is the genre? What is the purpose? Who's the audience? Who's the writer? And what's the exigence? So again, when we're thinking in terms of rhetorical analysis, that is just a process of critical thinking. We start with observation, then we learn to describe, then we learn to analyze, then and only then should we really be doing evaluation and judgment. We need to think about becoming better observers first because that's the foundation of becoming a better critical thinker. When we become better observers, we need to think about how to make systematic questions or do a systematic inquiry to help ourselves better understand the rhetorical situation and context surrounding things. So being a mindful reader or observer of information means that we're looking deeply at the subject itself but also where that subject came from. I hope this helps clarify a few things and keep in mind that to become a better critical thinker, it starts with becoming a better observer. Thank you for tuning into this podcast about becoming a mindful reader, writer, and researcher place to grow and change as a communicator and collaborator. Until next time.